Yes, I am your slightly, uh, well, more than slightly inebriated host, uh, Vero Fuerte. And here is my uh, compadre, my hostess with the mostest, Mr. Ricardo Mexicano. Say what's up. It's your boy. Uh, I think I said this last week, but you know, uh, our baby, aka Baby R, aka Mr. Give Your Girl Back, you know, and it's, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to continue with it. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. All right, you guys. Well, we are back for yet another episode. I am super hyped uh, because it's actually, I don't know, I, I wish that we would actually talk more often sometimes, Ricardo, because sometimes I realize that it's been like a whole week and we actually don't get to catch up until we do this podcast. So that's like really crazy. Let's see. Uh, but uh, yes. Oh, one thing that didn't I didn't tell you off air was uh, this week was actually my mom's birthday. So okay. we ended up, yeah, yeah, yeah. We ended up actually uh, going out to uh, going out to eat a whole bunch of us, uh, the familia and todo eso. Yes. And, the, and the one thing that always gets me, let me tell you, is looking across the faces, because I was volunteer. I don't know if anybody else is like this, you know how on the TV, whenever people would be invited to like weddings or Thanksgiving and stuff, and uh, and there would always be that one person that would be like delegated to the kids table, and they'd like go there begrudgingly, I... Let me tell you, Ricardo, like, I fucking love the kids' table. Like, that is my jam. That is always where all the fun is at. You know, I don't see it as anything demoralizing or degrading to sit around, like, a bunch of kids and actually have fascinating conversation that, you know, because the adults are probably talking about taxes and shit, so. Um, People still do kids' tables? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, really? like, when you, run, when you run out of, like, seats at, like, the main adult table and they sort of, like, delegate you off to, like, the younger like youth table that's basically what happened to me the other day but the reason that I bring that up is because I was sitting across my 15 year old prima my cousin and uh sitting next to my nine-year-old sister Mm -hmm. and I just started thinking about the fact that I remember very distinctly that one my sister was nine years old when I graduated freaking high school uh, sorry, she was born when I graduated high school, and she's nine now, so I can always keep up with the amount of years that I've been out of high school when I see her. Okay. And two, like, my cousin is 15 years old now, and I just, I look at her, and I remember being 15 so distinctly, and it's so crazy now that I'm getting closer to 30. And all of that that, that entails, because a lot of th- times when I look at like things that happened to me when I was 15 and 16 it feels like it just happened yesterday and it like reels my mind bro it really does I mean uh, I'm, just, I'm still trying to get over the kids table because me growing up I don't think we ever <laughs> I don't think we ever had a kids table we like literally no? if we, if we go to like a restaurant now we would just put all the tables together and like it'll be like this long inconvenient mess in like the restaurant and uh I mean yeah, I think it would be I, like, I think I think I think it would be more like sides, so it wouldn't be like a like yeah. a separate table. But because like the table will be so long, we would have like of course like a, a section of the of the big table where it would be like majority like me and like my cousins and my brothers like all sitting like next to each mm-hmm. other or, or or across from each other. And then of course like my mom and dad or like my and like their sisters, my uncle, or their aunts will be you know talking. So like we had that sort of separation, but we never had like 
like a complete like separate table where like you were like outcast to like a, a deserted island kind of thing. <laughs> but, but, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yatu sabes uh, because like um, when you talk about you and your primos y todo eso, then you know uh, that it's usually like the older generation like that is grouped around and then like the younger generation at, at either like one end of the table or like a separate table altogether. But Basically, like, my whole point is, is that, like, being around with them earlier this week made me think about the fact that, you know, because my cousin, the 15-year-old, looked at me one day, uh, no, looked at me that day and said, she's like, you're 27? I'm like, yeah, I am. And she said, I don't know, I just feel like you've stayed the same age all my life, you know? And I think, like, just in her mind mentally, I've, like, never, like, I've never aged in her head. You know, and a lot of times I, I, so many things have happened like for me between 20 and 30, you know, and like we were talking about off air, I feel like I had much more of a existential crisis when I was uh, 25, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a quarter of a century old. And at the time I was working at a, um, at a, um, at a grocery store distribution center. So I was working in a factory, basically packing up boxes um, and uh, like doing two jumps at the time, you know, trying to get my hustle on and shit. But like when this, I turned this is when you were this is, this is when you were at Walmart, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at Walmart. I was in Palestine. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if like yeah. we were going to use like pronouns for this shit. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I worked in the factory and I worked at AT&T at the same time. And I remember when I turned 25, it was like such a big deal to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, like a quarter, one fourth of my life is over. What was me? But I don't know, like the closer I get to 30, the more just secure I feel in all of my shit. Like, okay, like my 20s are three fourths of the way gone. You know, like I have to not necessarily get serious. I don't know if serious is the word, but I have to get more decisive and more intentional about like the direction in where my life is headed porque like this like shit really matters and like you realize especially after this year and everything like how much control you have over your life um i think that uh verse uh, how much control you have over your life and also how much you don't have if that makes any sense like it's really provided a lot of perspective and like i just it, it 30 doesn't scare me the way that i thought it would you know yeah, yeah, I get that. Uh, I personally have never had that perspective. I feel, I feel maybe one day I will when it comes to like the whole aging and feel like you're. It's like the whole FOMO thing. Like I've I've never been a fan of like the whole fear of missing out co- concept. I've yeah. always thought that was, I thought it was always kind of like bullcrap. Um, and you're, I still, I'm, you're I, and, so and, and, though. always, always with the 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 drops of consciousness. Yeah, are. yeah. I mean, it's just it, I just hate these bandwagon and just these trendy ideas and that that you you know yeah. get that get like big and like then like perpetuate as like a norm on like the internet or real life. Like that's like a, a thing. And I'm like, really? Like like this wasn't a thing. Y'all made it a thing, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I and I hate that. So, but I mean, that's a different tangent. But what, what I was trying to get at that, I've never really been um, one to get uh, nervous, I guess, or uh, feel or, or feel like I'm if I if I'm not at a certain point in my life because of my age that mm-hmm. I you know start to like feel less than or freaking out. Like no, the age thing has never really hit me. I, like I said, maybe one day when I get older, maybe it will hit me. But uh, up until now, I've I've always felt blessed that I've always looked at aging as you know 
a positive okay. thing. Yeah, yeah. A, very, a very positive thing. Just learning more, just going through more experiences, just uh, adding more people into my life that can benefit me in so many ways. And just looking at looking at a life like a book, you know, I mean, it's very cliche to say, but yeah, I mean, life is like a like a like a like a chap like, you know, chapters in a book just you, that you just keep advancing through. I don't know. What, what, what do you what do you feel that um I I know like that twenty and even like through your thirty it's a very like crucial time. I'm not I'm never I'm never I'm never I'm never gonna dismiss the fact that that these years and the time you have in each year isn't isn't important. I think I'm just more stressing on I guess putting so much weight on those things you know but i mean but I, that could also be a good thing you know you could you could do that to yourself as a way of motivating yourself to do better so See, I, uh, I mean I, I get what you're trying to say is like yeah. um i i think what it is for me is that like when i got closer is that all throughout my 20s uh or just like me as a person in general like one thing about veronica perez is that i've always been one of my bigger faults is that I've always had a habit of like dwelling on the past. But the horrible thing about that is that like all of that that comes with nostalgia and all of that is that I never really looked ahead into my future in uh, except uh, to look at it with anxiety. And now that I'm closer to 30, like I'm just in such a better place to look at everything more positively like how much control I have to construct what I want you know and um and I think that uh when I was in my early 20s I subscribed to the idea because that's all I ever saw like on the internet or with my friends or whatever like this expectation of like oh graduate college by like 22 and like if you're 24 and 25 and still at a community college and that's really embarrassing and like that sort of thing but I don't know. It's like the older I get, I'm like, fuck traditionalism. Like, fuck a timeline. Like, I don't, I, I just, I don't care anymore. And not only that, but like, um, you're not supposed to be. And I, I, I heard this from a whole lot of, uh, well, from like one uh, radio person in particular that they said that you're not supposed to be obviously the same person that you were at 21 that you are at 30. And I can, I can very much. I can very much subscribe to that in that I don't love the same things I love that I did at 21. I don't love the same people that I necessarily loved at 21. Like there's a lot of things that are shifting. There's a lot of things that are different. And for once in my life, um, that doesn't scare me, you know? And I just think that when it comes to people in general and how we go about, um, the 10 years between 20 and 30 years old, you know, besides being 10 and being 20, those are our 20 and 30 are more are are our most transformative years. And I think that it's worth mentioning that, you know, like this is nobody's race, but your own, you know, and you can and like looking to the side of you, looking to the side of you only slows you down. You know, and again, this is a lot easier for me to say than it is for me to do some days, but I am getting better at it. And like for that, that is something that I'm really proud of myself lately. I know it comes easy to you, Ricardo, because, uh, you know, you're uh, you're Mr. Higher Thinking and Mr. Conscious, you know, 24-7. Nah, no, <laughs> no, do, do, do not put these labels on me. That is not uh, me. 
No, You're the no. Cole, as we would have it. No, 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 no. Please, mm-hmm. please do not, do not put that kind of label on me. Uh, mm-hmm. I am far from that. Look, I am a, I'm a pseudo intellectual. Like mm-hmm. I just, I just, I just, you know, I just fake it till I make it. Uh, I've been like that for a long time, and I just know how to play. I just know how to play this game. I will say that. I'll yeah. say that with, with with plenty of confidence. I know how to play this game, and I know, I know my limit. You know. I think one thing I've really gotten a, a grasp on is just knowing your limit. I was actually talking about this with my mom today. About mm. we, we were talking about uh how how service to others is like one of the most um uh, rewarding things you could do. And, yeah. And and I brought up the point that wait, what was I gonna say? Oh crap! I drew I drew like a like a big blank. You were talking about your mom and you were talking about service to others and uh, you know your limit. And yeah. Oh yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. So we talk about like service to others, and we somehow got on the topic of like it, it's never so like when you're in need of service, uh, it's not it's not a bad thing to ask for help. And then I brought mm-hmm. up the point to her. I was like, yeah, but you also need to learn that everybody has different limits. So while somebody's going through a tough time in their life, um, they they may need help immediately. Like it's a it's a drastic thing, you know, which doesn't make mm-hmm. them any less um of a person it, it doesn't make them weak just because they're they're mm-hmm. they're so quick to ask for help i think just everybody has their limits and their levels where me i really know my limit when it comes to like okay i've done everything i could do i need to ask for help and there's no shame in it you know and i think it's like that too in, in my i mean, i go speak for myself like when it comes to like feeling feeling down and feeling depressed where i know the uh the heights i can take my my sadness and my depression too, but I also know my limits and what I can do to make myself feel better, you know? And because mm-hmm. I think the human experience is so, you know, nuanced and we like, then we like to admit, you know, I think we have this concept in my head that is, that that is so like extreme. Like if you're going through like a, like if you're going through like a, I've been following this, this one YouTuber who I really like, uh, his name is a uh, Trappy William. He, he makes these hilarious videos, just really ignorant stuff that I love. And, um, he, his um his dad recently passed away like a couple months ago, and mm. occasionally occasionally on Twitter and on Instagram he'll make like really cryptic posts, and uh, so you know people are like commenting like please you know don't do it you know please stay here for us you know because they think he's suicidal, and then um he'll get on live he'll go like on IG live and he'll start talking about how he knows what it is to feel completely down depressed just feel like there's like this huge void in his heart uh, in his heart because his dad's gone but then. And, and he'll like cry and stuff like that. But in, in the next two minutes, next two or three minutes, he knows what it what he could do to make himself feel better. And I think mm-hmm. as, 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 bro, that self-awareness is something. Yeah. Yeah. Like as uneventful as that sounds like you could go from crying to just making a sandwich. Um, but that's, <laughs> that, no, for, that's life. I think we have this 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 ingrained yeah. cinematic thing in our life that it's like, oh, my, you've been you've been crying on the couch. For like nine hours eating nothing but Twizzlers, but it's not like that most of the time, you know. Yeah, it's true, and I think that also like just speaks to like okay, well, first of all, hold up, like you and your mom to like talk about shit like this—that's wild. That's like really wild. Like me and my mom, literally, we talk about furniture and comida, and like that's it, you know. Well, you, gotta, you gotta realize my mom is like deeply religious, so yeah, oh, so, okay. so so okay. that's always it's always been you know since I was like. A kid at four, I've been having like yeah. since I was like the age of the, like four or five. We've had a conversation. We have like conversation about like with your yeah. mother. 
Yeah, we've had conversations about, you know, service to others and what it is to live a, live a fulfilling life. So, you know, I owe a lot to her, you know, when it comes to, like, really shaping me and, like, having these deep, deep conversations from, like, a young age and maybe not understanding what it meant at the time. And, like, yeah. you know, we, we, and, and, and it's not, like, all peaches and cream. Like, like, we disagree, like, when we're talking about some stuff, especially, like, the more, like, organized religious aspect of thing because you know i'm mm-hmm. kind of i'm a very spiritual and a very religious person uh i like to say but i'm very critical of like the organization itself uh mm. and, and that's stuff that i don't have yeah. a problem, i don't have a problem uh talking to her about yeah 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 for sure for sure yeah. uh but uh what was i gonna say is like no i i totally get what you mean though it's like going from like being sad and depressed on your bed eating twizzlers to you know, like making a fucking sandwich. Uh, that's the thing is that oh, I think one thing that and I've always spoken about this or I've spoken a lot about this, like recently in the last couple of years, is how we as human beings under constantly underestimate how fucking resilient we are. We really do like, bro, like you're really going to break up with your girl or you're really going to break up with your boy. You know, and of course, like that heartbrokenness, that pain, that is fucking real. Like that, like the ending of something, I'm not detracting from the reality of any of that. But the truth of the matter is, is that no matter how much pain you feel, like the next day or even the next week or even a couple of days later, you're going to laugh again. You know, and you're going to smile again and you're going to like and you're going to have like you're going to go to the mailbox again and you're going to go grocery shopping again. Like life moves forward and it doesn't stop for anyone. And that can be something like that's really, really consoling, Mm -hmm. you know, or it could be something that, you know, if you have issues with your mortality, like I sometimes do to be straight, like um, like it can be something really, really daunting, you know, Um. But I, I feel like lately I've been thinking about it as something that's really consoling. Like, people can literally walk out of my life right now, Ricardo. People can walk out of my life right now, and I know that I can handle it. I know that I can manage it. Like, like this summer or, you know, in my past, I have, you know, like, cried myself in, like, the bathtub. And, like, I've, like, I, I, like I've gone through a lot of shit, like everyone does. And I just think that I've had those days and I've also had like 24 hours later where I'm like cutting up, goofing off with my friends, you know, like, like there's such a, there's such an up and down to life and nothing in this world is permanent, you know? So I totally get what your YouTuber says with that, you know, you can be in total despair one, one moment and it'd be completely valid. And then the next moment be making a sandwich you know, watching a sitcom and that shit be also completely valid, you know? Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. He, like he, he also brought up like a way that he used to cope. It's like, you know, he'll make, uh, you know, he'll, he'll start telling jokes about his dad, you know, just saying like, mm-hmm. oh, this, this man was a, a complete, uh, you know, whatever, you know, just, just, just riffing, you know, just telling jokes about your yeah, dad, yeah, you know, yeah. but he said that that's a way that he does to like, kind of, you know, cope with the, okay. the missing, you know, the, the, his, his missing presence, you know, just making jokes and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. For sure, for sure. No, I get that for sure. I mean, and there's a lot of like, uh, like corny things and different things that can be said about that. But another thing that I've always subscribed to is the idea that like every cliche or corny thing in the world is true. 
you know, um, I, I've always been a big believer in that. Like, it wouldn't be a cliche if, and it wouldn't be corny if people didn't, you know, constantly say it over and over or constantly, you know, repeat it over and over. If it wasn't like just a, a truth of living. And that actually, um, that actually kind of sort of leads into what we were also going to talk about is uh, basically corny rappers. Uh, since we are, you know, a semi-hip-hop-related podcast, y todo eso, um, I know that are that's... We? Are we? Yeah, kind of, sort of, I don't know. I don't, we, I don't we know. We kind of run all over the gamut, wouldn't you say? I, I don't know if I would put, like, a label on it, like, like we like the Joe Budden podcast talking about music no, and hip-hop. But I, 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 would, I would say, I would say it's, like, deeply ingrained, but I don't know if I can, like, label myself that that well you don't like labeling yourself at anything I, I don't well, I don't the fuck is the point of that? I don't <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 but any who's um no like uh speaking I know that that's something that we did want to touch on was the idea of uh, uh corny rappers and like what constitutes a corny rapper and you know what your idea of of like corniness is in like uh the hip-hop or rap industry or if it's something that people can escape out of or what is your general take on it do you think let me start off with this because i just it just popped into my head yeah so let's start with the concept of like a corny person not a not a rapper but let's start with the concept of a of a a corny person um and you and you probably know somebody in your life that it's just so i feel like I feel like when it comes to coordinate, it can be like the worst thing you could be. So this dude, right? And I think I first met him like in high school. I'm not going to say his name. I feel like uh, I'm going to be very controversial towards this entire subject. But yes, yes, go ahead. No, no, you're going to, I think you're going to agree once I'm done telling okay. the story. So, so, right. you, so this is um, this guy that I knew in high school and I was never really friends with him, but he was cool. He was sitting like at the, at the table with that at, at, you know, during breakfast or lunch or whatever. And, um, but he was like more closer to like some other friends I had in like my circle and he would like talk to them. I think I had like maybe one class with him and I never had a really problem with him at all. And I, and I generally almost never have problems, conversations or like beef with anybody. But this guy, mm-hmm. when, when, I, when I started to like really like hear the stuff he would say, it, it, it's that point where it's, he's that type of guy who would say stuff and you can clearly tell that it is a lie. You can clearly tell that he's just he's just trying to get yeah, people. Yeah, saying it for attention. People to like him, yeah. And yeah. I think and and I always describe him as a lame. To this day, like when I see him, and like uh, I mean I'm in Fort Worth now, so and I think he still lives in Tyler, so it may be harder for me to see him now. But I think the last time I saw him was maybe three years ago at Walmart, and he was still the same guy. I think he joined the army. Mm-hmm. And he would like tell me stuff because I'm like, I'm in the military too, man. I know what goes on. So he would tell me stuff about his job and stuff like that. And I would clearly know, like, you're like, you're lying, man. Why are you like this? And he would like, and then like, I would meet girls who've had like, like conversation with him and like, they would show me like messages from him. And he's such a lame, such a corny person. Like I said, he's not a bad person, but just the stuff that you do, like the little sleazy uh, lies a little. I mean, I guess some of them are white lies. Some of them are just you trying to be come off bigger than you are. But if there's anything that I hate in a person, it's just them being a lame, just being a lame, being just being corny, just trying to come off as something that you're not. And uh-huh. and, to the, and, and and to this day, like every time I like, he's like probably one of the only guys that if he if he were like to ever like step to me, I would like you know you know knock him back to like you know Uranus or something like that I don't, I don't know man like like for real like like I really get like 
like pissed off what? like every time I think about him. Like, yeah. like he's, yeah. he's just a, he's just a lame. Like I like this dude is just corny. Like he's one of those guys that grinds your gears. So yeah, yeah, he, he has like no he has like no redeeming qualities about himself. He's just bro. Let me let me let me tell you. And I feel like we all had that fucking guy in high school, you know. And you know what? It it really depends on like what sort of mental spectrum you find them to be into. Because sometimes the cornier the the cornier the ninja, like I would befriend I would be more pressed to befriend him because I had so many people in high school well I had a select few in high school that I know that I would that you know would try to befriend me I don't know because I was like a girl and I was like funny or whatever right and like we would we would hang out and we would be friends but I could tell and it also depends on your definition of the uh, of the word corny right but the way that you're defining it like the people that like over exaggerate to you know in that you can tell are so pressed to be likable and so pressed to like impress you with like their like half-assed made-up shit like facts about themselves and stuff like i i would know those people and i would recognize those people and the thing is is that i would almost befriend them even more and the only reason i did that ricardo is because again i don't know if we're talking about the same kind of person but that is the kind of person that like I'll be straight with you. I was kind of afraid that I was, uh, that if I didn't befriend them, I didn't know what day I was going to like show up at the school and they were going to be really, really angry. And they were going to take it out. And, and just like, if they were, if they were in a bad mood, I just wanted to make sure that they took it out on like, not me basically, you know? And that's, um, uh, I don't know, but, like, I know that you're talking about, like, the lame, and I know you're talking about the person that, like, tries too hard to be liked, so much so where you can sense it, where they're just not being themselves because they're overplaying certain parts of themselves and, like, over-exaggerating certain parts of themselves to get you to like them. Yeah. I just, yeah. I think you're you're thinking more of, like, that that kid in high school or middle school that's just, Mm -hmm. like, a a loner and may not have too many friends. Yeah. And then you kind of... Let me and tell it, you, I was friends with a lot of fucking loners. Yeah, I was. No, that's that's yeah. self-preservation, homie. Yeah, self-preservation. no, I'm, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not, and I'm not talking about that, those kind of people. Yeah. I, think, I think those 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 people are completely fine. You know, I think just a lot of them are very socially awkward or, or what or what have you. I, that's yeah. fine. I'm talking about the guy that nobody's expecting nothing from you. You are mm-hmm. cool. You are just a normal kid. Nobody yeah. expects you to to like be a CIA agent while you're 15 years old kind of thing like nobody's no no, you don't have to talk about you you know going hunting and killing like i don't know how many deer like you don't like you don't have to say that's bragging right yeah it's it's the bragging (laughs) and it's like just the the super obvious overcompensation for Mm. like approval of people that i hate i'm like and i and it's just something that it's always like you said grind grinding my gears from like a very like young age just people that like I yeah I just don't like people being fake is one thing because I yeah. always stri- I always strive myself to as, as, as and it's lame I w- okay I won't say lame because I'm not a lame I would never be a lame <laughs> but as nerdy or as like maybe as maybe maybe I sometimes come I don't I I, I like to I I think that sometimes I come off very uh with a pompous attitude towards some people or some people think I'm like very mean uh sometimes I don't, I don't think so at all I don't I I don't think so at all I. 
I mean, from the outside perspective, at the most, I mean, Ricardo, you are a lot of things. I wouldn't think that you're lame or even mean is one of the last words that I would use. No, to I'm not lame. I'm not. I'm not lame. I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that about myself. What, what was your yeah. first impression? Well, so when we first like met and like started talking, Ooh. what was like your first impression? I thought that you were kind of standoffish, but uh-huh. you were also a sort of a, a an elitist cheese ball. You know, like you were, you and I mean, but also at the same time, that was part of the thing that connected me to you and like made me like want to start a friendship with you is the fact that you were, is that you were elitist, you were kind of bougie, or you gave off that vibe anyway, but you were also kind of like cheesy. You liked, you liked the, you liked the nerdy shit. You liked the, you, we, you and I basically had a lot of the same interests, you know, as far as like rap, as far as hip hop, as far as pop culture, that sort of thing. Um, but you did very give uh you did very much give off the elitist vibe, which is actually part of the reason why I was kind of hesitant to like approach you for the longest time. I thought that you thought that I was the lame, like to be square with you. Like I'm no. like, oh, you probably know, like really <laughs> dork and like you know that I don't really know what I'm talking about, you know, and I don't want to like like I, I mean I know that I know what I'm talking about to like what limit I do know, but. You know, I, I don't know. I was just like, I was genuinely very intimidated by you when I first met you. No, uh, and, that, and that's crazy that you think that. Yeah, because I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I gave off that vibe. But you know, you know, uh, you know, people just have different uh, perceptions of yourself. But yeah, um, yeah. I think, um, I think what it is is that, and I, and I've always been very open. So like I said, like like you thinking that I was like thinking less of uh, less of you could be, you know. Far, no farther from the truth because yeah. i'm so i'm so open just situated, yeah 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 i'm so open to like just anybody in general until i get to know you and i could tell that you're a a, a straight up lame and that and that and that you're just trying too hard and that mm-hmm. you're you're just not being yourself um mm-hmm. and all and all that um so yeah i mean i think that's where my i think okay so now actually getting to like the actual topic about rapping i think i think yeah because this is about rappers i think i think that's where my um definition and where my concept of like being a lame being corny comes mm-hmm. from it's like when i can clearly tell that you're just you know trying too hard pretty much at the end of the day when mm-hmm. it comes to music and it's just you you you're, you're thinking that you're you're this giant beacon of of knowledge and of like wittiness when it comes yeah. to rap when it comes to rap but in reality you're doing something you're doing the same thing everybody else is doing it and you're doing it bad yeah so you mean like uh like when people are like less talented than the, like their hype suggests you know like when people put them on the pedestal right. but they're really not as good they're really not all that is basically what you're saying yeah yeah and i and i think you know we're, we're, you know, we're going to get into a little bit more, but I think, yeah. uh, I think a lot of people are, are very misjudged when it comes to that and kind of get that label thrown on them when they probably shouldn't just because, mm-hmm. I think because nowadays corny just comes off to, you said like a line or two that people didn't like, and now you're corny, which I think is kind of unfair. Yeah. That, I think that is very unfair. Like yeah. for me, the definition of corny, like Okay, so if, uh, like, the actual definition of corny, more or less, is that people are, like, uh, people that are, like, mawkishly sentimental, you know, or that people that, like, try too hard, like you said, different things like that, right? And so, um, 
oh yeah or that people like that try too hard to be sentimental and like my thing about it is is that at the end of the day from what I've seen is that the general consensus between people is that there's like three different types of corny more or less like there's the call out rappers basically the the people in the in the rap game that make a living um calling out different people like starting off beef to like basically get hype you know that's really corny as shit that's really lame um and then to me uh like you said earlier is the people that are like less talented than their hype suggests people that are put on a pedestal but are really not all that good you know that are sort of like good in a mainstream sense of the word you know uh and then there's to me this is probably the most the most pure definition of corny is the people that uh, others view as excessively, uh, and I don't even know how to like really register this phrase, but the people that, uh, the people that are, the rappers that are viewed as excessively positive, you know, people like Logic, people like Macklemore, people like Chance the Rapper now, you know, like, uh, everything outside of, like, acid rap, you know, especially with Coloring Book, y todo eso, is like, he's, well, like, just to start off with, like, talking about Chance in general, it's like, he gives off a whole different feel now, and it's not even necessarily like that he was, like, like someone that, like, talked about, like, really hard, intense shit, you know, when he was talking, and, like, acid rap is my favorite mixtape, is one of my favorite mixtapes, I love acid rap, but coloring book, I could take a leave, like, I'll be straight up, and it's just, like, and what was his, uh, single 65th in Ingleside or something like that, right, um, um uh the 60 like there was uh, one song that he had 65th in Ingleside and it was all about like how he like grew up with like his uh his woman and like you know how he owes so much to her and this that and the other but like basically people like uh what I'm trying to say is that people like uh Chance and people like uh Logic and uh people even people like Macklemore they have like this reputation Big Sean of, too yeah, yeah, Sean yeah, yeah. Sean too, uh, of like being put on like this pedestal of using positivity and like enlightenment to push forward like their fame and not necessarily quote unquote stooping down to like the to the levels of like hip hop that um like that um that would otherwise make them less appealing. Like if they talk about like negativity or if they talk about, you know, like their hardships or if they even talk about like dissing another rapper, things like that. Basically they stay on higher ground. Right. But a lot of people refer to them as corny because they're quote unquote, excessively pop, uh, excessively positive. So what are, what's your take on that? I don't think, I don't uh, see, I have a problem with that. Cause I don't think it's like the mm-hmm. overall positivity that makes you corny. Cause there are plenty of like conscious rappers that I've liked that are like very introspective and like talk about positive things. And I think, it, yeah, I think it's more like people stand. We know that. We know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the undergroundness, you know, like Sage Francis, Brother Ali, you know, mm. you know, even most deaf, most deaf, like, is a very, you know, conscious, witty rapper, but he knows how to rap. And like, you know, nobody mm-hmm. would dare, no, but nobody would dare challenge him and say that he's corny. But like, I think it comes up, I think it's like, like I said, I think it, it comes back to that that thing again, where it just sounds like you're trying too hard, where it sounds mm-hmm. like this is not really you. Like, um, you bring up Chance, and you know he's like one of the latest uh, members of like the corny rap circle. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yeah, because like, because like the whole, you know, the big day, a.k.a. the I Love My Wife album, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, in, in reality, you know, it's just hyperbole. Of course, the whole album wasn't about him talking about his wife the whole time, even though that was a big part of it. I mean, I, if you could, if you, I mean, I guess you could call it a concept album because it was like about like his wedding day and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, I, but I think when it comes to that album, because I'll admit, yeah, that uh, that album to me is just complete trash. I don't like it like one bit. Like, yeah, there's some cool songs, but the album as a whole is basura, and I just, <laughs> I, I, I just can't, I can't vibe with that album because, because to me, it's just about like, it's just. It comes down to like it just being bad music, and I just don't yeah, like it. And like that's, that's that's a thing that frustrates me about people that people that don't really. Because uh, I, I, don't, I don't think Chance is corny. I don't think I don't think he's corny. I just don't? think I just I just don't. Yeah, I don't think he's corny. I, I just think, think the songs are bad. A little bit of corniness. Like I'm not gonna lie to you. I feel like he's transitioned. I I don't hate him, but I definitely don't. I definitely don't ride for him the way that I used to. You know, and I feel like. I, an interesting barometer that I'm sort of, like, ashamed to admit that I subscribe to sometimes is, like, how many how many feel-good white hipsters do you have following you in your fan base? Which I know is something that you can't really control. As a rapper, as an artist, as a hip-hop artist, you cannot really control, you know, who, like, rushes to your fan base, you know? Like, when, yeah. you, when you're on stage and you look out there, you can't control if, like... 75% of that audience is white, you know, but at the same time, it's that if I know that if a, um, if this particular type of person is really, really like, uh, if is really, really vibing with Chance the Rapper and I see more and more people vibing with them and I listen to his music, I personally don't relate to it anymore because like chance has always been a positive rapper he's always been someone that's been very uplifting especially even in coloring book but in coloring book it was his storytelling was better his positivity even like his positivity in the way that he expressed himself had a sense of edginess to where he like knew exactly where he came from and uh dang it i have to pull up like some of the tracks here in um acid rap i remember like um um, let's see, Cocoa Butter Kisses, uh, like, that shit was, like, dope as fuck, um, and I just remember, I just, I just remember Chance being something that I could, like, sink myself into, and, like, feel nostalgic and positive at the same time without, like, remembering where I came from, right, and so, like, now it's almost like that's taken to the extreme to where everybody, I, I, I don't know how else to express it, but to like, it's like, there's no edginess in the positivity anymore. There's no like, um, I, I wish I could better explain myself, but I really can't. All I know is that like, whenever I listen to Chance now, it's not the same feeling anymore. It's not the same, um, it's not the same blend of like, nostalgia and edginess and positivity and sincerity it's just like it's almost like commercializing the uh it's almost like commercialized positivity if that makes any sense it's so he sounds good on commercials for samsung or at&t or like or that that do you get what i'm trying to say it just all seems so very inauthentic and i hate well, that yeah and i think and i think it's um 
that's kind of a um uh, a give and take because while I admit that you know he's obviously in a different place in his life, so you're not gonna be talking about you dropping acid like you did in 2013. Because yeah, you know, yeah. You, have, you, have, you have a kid now, you know, you have a wife, and that's and that's what yeah, you're gonna yeah, rap. Yeah. You, that's what you're gonna rap about. That's your life. Doesn't mean that the song's gonna be good, you know. Yeah. But that's where you are in your life, and I can't really fault you for that. You and then, and then yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and you're a bigger star, you know. Like chances, like very mainstream. Like he's in Kit Kat commercials, he's in Doritos commercials. So yeah. And like, and you know, that's cool. Get your money, like get your bag. Like I have no problem with that. For me, like I said, for me, it comes down to the music and if you're being authentic. Like when it comes to like the big day, I think he's, he's being authentic, man. I can't fault him for that. Yeah. I just, I just don't like the songs. Um, yeah. But but you said he was always positive, and I, and like if you actually go back to Acid Rap, I don't think he was, he wasn't really that positive on that album. But all that album. Well, I think was, it was I, positive I, and edginess at the same time. I like, think. Was, it, I, a lot of that album was very. It was it was good. Like I said, I like Acid Rap. Like I was like. It's one I, of my favorites. I used to like I was like one of the, I was putting a lot of people onto that album because I've been following yeah. Chance since uh I remember I remember being on Rap Genius watching Chance add verify annotation to like Kendrick Lamar lyrics like he would like mm-hmm. have like his username but, like this is before like he put out Acid Rap and I think he just put out uh 10 Day his first mixtape yeah uh, and I used to I remember seeing he was like on on Rap Genius forums like verifying like other rappers uh lyrics you're and, a shade of talking him Brusky. No, I wasn't. I wasn't talking. It was just like you know, you would have like the people who would like add lyrics, like like annotations yeah. to lyrics, and he'll be yeah, at the yeah, top. Yeah. And like he would like be, I think he was like on Money Tree or something like that for like the Kendrick Lamar song. He would like add lyrics like that, the meaning to like each lyric. I don't know why he was doing it. I guess maybe it was just a hobby him for for him. Uh, you know, not to get off like on a side tangent, but like um, you know, one of my favorite like I know that I talk a lot about like um um which I'm going to call it uh, acid day or whatever, or acid rap. Acid rap. And, yeah, 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 acid rap. And uh, I got the big day and acid rap confused. But, yeah, like acid rap. But literally, as um, Chance made one of my favorite Christmas albums of all time, like Merry Christmas, Little Mama, is like, oh, my gosh. I, like, keel over and, like, melt into a puddle whenever I listen to it. I love it so much. Uh, but, anyway, we're getting off. Uh, you're, pro- you're probably you're probably like one of the only few people who actually liked that album. I love that album. I know, I know, yeah. and I think that's cool. I just think it's like one of the, I think you're probably like the only person I've ever heard being like, oh man, that shit slaps. <laughs> it does slap, and you know why? Because I have always, uh, like, you know what a big proponent I am of Christmas. Like, I know, you love Christmas. And like, any other basic bitch around, like, I fucking adore the holidays and especially Christmas and the magic y todo eso, blah, say blah. But I have always, like, driven around my, uh, driven around in my car saying, like, I wish that I had something to bump to in this month of fucking December. You know, like, I want something that I can, like, groove to that fills me up with the holiday spirit, you know, but, like, I can, you know, like, I can vibe with. And when I came across Merry Christmas Little Mama, like, that whole album, I forgot, I forgot who featured on it. Like, it was him. It's him and Jeremiah. Yes, 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 yes. And I just, I remember, uh, what is what is my favorite track? See, now I have to look it up because I get so in my, okay, All the Way is good. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, I'm, gl- I'm glad, uh, I, like, I'm, I'm glad he's, uh, you know, like I said, even though I don't, I don't really care for the album. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think, I think, I think it's cool that he, um, um, 
you know, went outside of his element and did like a Christmas album. I think that was cool. Oh, yes. I need more like rappers, like alert. Veronica Vero Fuerte is telling you to like all do that shit because like Christmas in Harlem, like Kanye, like he did that shit for me. Like I need more like respectable, legitimate yes. rappers and hip hop artists to put out Christmas albums. Like dive into what's it called? Dive into the the juxtaposition that is the joy and cheer the holiday season yeah. with your talent like i need to hear that i'm telling you what the people need and that is that so no yeah that's the i mean yeah christmas in harm is like the greatest uh, yes you know to me it's the greatest christmas rap song which you know christmas, christmas christmas i mean by far uh christmas rap songs actually were like a big thing in like the late 80s like when like rap when rap really started to like pick up steam you know because of course you got the legendary christmas and hollis by you know rum dmc and you have a couple other tracks I can't really. I think some of the even people. I think people on Death Row Records. I think some of them put on Christmas Ooh, songs. I remember. Sorry. And uh, yeah. We I, should I, do like a, we should do a, a like a, a Christmas hip hop playlist when we get closer to like November December. That would be oh my gosh, that'd be so fucking cool. Oh my gosh. Um. But yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Sorry, okay. Like. But but yeah, go back uh, back to the topic. Corny rappers. We don't want to get sidetracked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so, like, we we talked about, like, Chance excessively, like, um, uh, Logic, Macklemore, I feel like they would fit into the same file as, like, uh, what people would normally, like, constitute as excessively positive, but you also have people like J. Cole and Drake, who people, I mean, and I know that I'm sort of talking to a wall here, because, again, like, I know that J. Cole's one of your favorites, but for me, he is actually someone that I do very much con I do constitute as a um as a corny rapper of sorts. And that's because like his consciousness sometimes fucks the hell out of me, you know? And not, it's not even necessarily like his like consciousness, but also like his blend of like, yes, I'm a conscious rapper, blah 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 blah. But I'm also gonna be semi misogynistic and no role models, and I'm also gonna like call out half the people that used to be my friends like i don't hate j cole but he gets on my last fucking nerve sometimes and i know that you feel very differently but like i that's how that's why sometimes i couple him and Drake. Wait. Like, wait wait why, why do you think i like cole that much I, i'm a, I'm a cole fan I but i'm not i mean i've been following cole for like a long time and yeah, yeah. And, I, and i love cole but i don't really I, I i've never been i don't think i've ever loved him to the fact where i would defend a lot oh, of the stuff okay. he said yeah yeah and like like no i have my tricks about cole too i think i think a lot yeah. of stuff he said is, is corny i think he has some like some pretty bad songs but that's the thing like when it comes to like drake i can understand why people say cold is corny i can understand why people say drake is corny because they have like drake yeah I can clearly understand. As much as I love Drake, there were some songs, there were some lines, there were some action that he has done that it's just like, what are you thinking, man? Like, yeah, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you like, think so, yeah. particular right now? A song? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or one line in particular, or whatever. Oh, that 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 song of a scorpion, the freaking, it's a, it's your birthday, the birthday song he did for. Uh, <laughs> Like it was pretty much like a like you deserve it. It was like a, it was like a it was pretty much like a birthday song to like a girl yeah. that he was like 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 thirsting over or something like that. Like that song is terrible. 
And uh, yeah, because so he knew that it was gonna get radio play at like every thirteen-year-old's uh, bot mit- bot mitzvah. So. I, I think I, I think that's what he was thinking, but I don't think that yeah. happened. I think he was thinking that this song was gonna be like the next birthday hit, but no, yeah. that's a, I don't know. Nobody has ever played that song. I've never seen a video like on, on social media that anybody's ever used that song ever. That song is mm-hmm. terrible. That's probably like one of his worst songs ever. What else? What else? What else? Uh, there's a song on. Oh, I mean, Child's Play is pretty corny. The one of uh, Views. Uh, even though I do like the beat, but I think the, the whole song is pretty corny. Because, like, th- that's the one we say, why you got to fight with me at Cheesecake? You know, I like to go there. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so question. Did you think that um, uh, Drake's... Uh, dang it. Uh, let's see, let's see. Oh, why am I blanking on the title right now? But, that, but, that's, uh, and that's, but that's the thing. I mean, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I was going to say... Yeah. Like, like I think it is the rapper that I do love and I'm a general fan of that I'm going to go hard at you if I feel like you're doing something, like, really corny or just something that I just don't yeah, like. Like, oh, like oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I love Drake. Like, I love that man. Like, I love Drake, man. Like, I can't express how much I love this man. But he has done some <laughs> stuff. He, du- he has done some stuff. He has said some things. He has songs that I absolutely cannot stand. And, yeah, I'm going to call out on him. I'm going to say, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna say what I feel. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of people do call him out for, like, sort of like hopscotching between, you know, being white and black and appropriation and not appropriation. It's like, oh, I can speak in the Jamaican accent and like one Instagram story, but I can also, you know, it's like, you know, um, I, I guess a lot of a lot of people tend to like call out Drake for like being like insincere in a lot of his stuff or like saying like, okay, so like what camp do you really play for? Like what part of like what side of hip hop are you really on and that sort of thing, you know? And because I feel like when he initially came out, he came out as like the very like sensitive, heartfelt, you know, like rapper, like don't um, don't come at me or I'm a, or I'm a like you know like cry that sort of thing. But like I don't know, it's like I I I like Drake, but I've always been like a very surface level like appreciator of Drake. I've never really gotten into him like that, even though like I know that he's had a lot of mainstream success. Um, I think that um, I, I wonder sometimes because I know how you feel about the Nice for What video uh, or the Nice for What song, and I don't understand why you and our friend Isaiah hate it so much when I love it so much, and I wonder if you regard that song in and of itself as corny i don't i never did i say that i hate the song you said that you yeah you said that you really don't like the song that you hated that song it's like sorry Beto, i just i can't do it like it's really lame in fact i think that on your other podcast like years ago you and isaiah were talking about it and you said that that like you guys didn't really fuck with it and i'm like i don't understand that video made me cry. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, Broski? I, I I know. I, I always thought the video was cool. I never I never said the yeah, video was yeah, lame. Yeah, yeah. I, I did say that the song was lame. But actually, I actually have turned around the song. I do like the song now. I actually. Uh, oh, okay. After, after so many years, uh, I listened to it back at it. I I I do have an appreciation, a lot a bigger appreciation for it. Still not one of my favorites, but I I can rock with it now. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. For what, sure. what I was gonna say about Drake actually. That you were bringing mm-hmm. up as far as like you like appreciating him on on a surface level is that Drake is um very intelligent, very mm-hmm. he knows rap that's a thing and I and like I look at I look at Drake as a pop star now like because that's what he is he is a pop star you know yeah. beyond beyond rap he is a certified mainstream legit pop star he's one of the biggest stars that we know of our past you know twenty years um 
Like if he would if Drake would have died tomorrow, God forbid, he will go down as top five. Maybe not my top five, but he will go down as top five. Guarantee it. As a general goat. Yeah, as a yeah. general goat, he would definitely he, go down. Drake is going down the top five. Like, yeah. like and like I, I could say like this kind of get a little bit off topic, but I could say that that's not necessarily my top five, but I can see why this would be somebody or maybe the definitive top five. You know, I don't I don't believe in like a definitive top five. But like Wayne, Eminem, Drake, Tupac, and who else? One more person. You wouldn't put Kanye as a top five? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, Kanye. Yeah, yeah, Kanye. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So, yeah, so, 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 so five. So like even though that's not necessarily my top five, that I can um that is that, general consensus top five. That, yeah. that is like that's like a top five that is so hard to argue that yeah it is so hard to make a case for of like mm-hmm. why they're not top five like you can't it's hard to make a top it's hard to say why Kanye is not top five it's hard to say why Eminem is not top five it's hard to say why Wayne mm-hmm. why Drake why Tupac is not top five exactly like whether or not you personally like them you can't yeah. deny like their goatness you just fucking can't yeah yeah like it, it's it, you would have to like be like a, a mathematician of like of manipulation in somebody's mind to try to convince yeah. them that they're not top five. Yeah. But uh, that's a that's another tangent. We could we could we could we could do uh, we're gonna do a top five uh podcast one day. Yeah, we are getting off all sorts of discussions <laughs> <Yeah>. today. Yet. <laughs> okay, so, no, but back back to Drake though. Yeah. Drake knows rap like he is very very uh in tuned and he knows his history. He knows like you know underground rap. He knows his things, but I just think a lot of time he doesn't really put what he knows into the most effective means of producing like a song which is fine like just because you like a certain art doesn't mean you're gonna make the exact music they're gonna make it's just like i said just knowing where drake comes from and then some of the stuff he'd be putting out i'm just like really man like you you're you're a good rapper like you're an amazing rapper drake like so i i think it's just sometimes where you're just very disappointed because you have such a like a not a high standard but just a like an expectation almost from somebody because you know the history and stuff like that. Yeah, it came up from Degrassi. Now we're here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I get you. I get you. I mean, but like regardless, like J. Cole, Drake, like um, I, I think that uh, as far as corniness goes, I mean, they they hold their own status when it comes to col- uh to corniness. Um, I think that, uh, like I said, the biggest problem that I have with J. Cole specifically is that he does tend to be one of those call-out rappers. And you know me, it's like, I know that, and maybe this is a little, I mean, we've said this a lot, this is a little off topic, but like, you know how I feel about call-out call culture in hip-hop is something that I have yet to really vibe with, you know, is like the drama. Like, what happened years ago? It was... J. Cole, and it was um, some other guy. Uh, it was the guy that he called out during his album Scorpion, right? The, the guy that, like, really fucked with Kanye while, like, Kanye was making um, uh, the Bipolar album. Wow, where the hell is my mind going? Um, well, you said you said Drake? You said Cole yeah, and the Scorpion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You meant Drake? Yeah, Drake and... Uh, Drake, uh, he uh really got into a beef with uh, it whoa, wasn't whoa, 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 with Pusha. Yes, Pusha. That that's I wanted to say something with a T. Pusha. Oh, T. that's that's yeah. not just that's just, that's not call out culture, Riddle. That that beef goes back years. That goes. I back, know it does. That, I know that, it. Go, that, that, go, that, go, that goes back to like. That goes I back know. to like uh like like with Wayne and like Pharrell and like Cash Money I like know. that that, that I thing. Know. Is, I know. 
Natasha had a whole thing with Wayne, and Wayne's the yeah. one that put Drake on, and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. That was yeah, that 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 was a little bit. I I can't say that that's just calling people out for attention. That's that goes that one's a little bit deeper, a lot deeper actually. Yeah, I guess I guess I don't know, but now, we do know like. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say now you could say like the stuff that Six Nine has done, like with like calling mm-hmm. out just random rappers and like saying, oh, "I'm gonna show up to your city and there's nothing you can do about it." That's definitely you know calling people out for attention, you know, which is lame. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like and like we said, we have those like handful of rappers that try to get clout by calling out like uh different people on bigger. their songs and stuff. Call, yeah, exactly. Calling out bigger, more established people just for a look. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, to be fair, I mean, hip hop and music is not the only medium that that happens underneath to. It's like you see sometimes even like when it comes to YouTubers or uh, YouTube or bloggers or things like that, a lot of times people will like criticize like uh, younger, more underestablished YouTubers will like uh, call out really famous YouTubers. So like, oh, like my reaction to so-and-so's video you know, to try to get more views. And that's sort of like the same thing. Like the whole shit is corny, basically. Yo, uh, listen, listen, YouTube yeah. drama. You do not want to get me started on YouTube drama. We'll be here all night. Well, I, don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Like, I don't get the culture of it. Like, why are you going to try to like steal somebody else's clout by like having an opinion on like the shit that they do? Like, I don't, I, I, I don't get it. Like even me as a big like generic like critic I am of like movies and music and things like that I will never like I I think that there should be an understanding between like content creators which I think is a different thing than like people who I think being a content creator is a different than being uh like a filmmaker and different than being a rapper and different than being a music maker like yes it's all content but it's almost like a whole different medium in and of itself and I don't think that I I feel like using like a higher level or higher established content creators name to get yourself on uh, to get yourself more views and shit is kind of sleazy but that's just like my opinion again again that's like kind of off topic but yeah but i think you also have to be careful with that because you can have somebody who's up and coming and that's a very great person and Mm -hmm. they can have a legitimate reason as to why they're calling somebody else who's bigger than them yeah somebody somebody who may have like five million subscribers and they're barely on a hundred thousand, you know, which is still an accomplishment, but you know, they're nowhere near the other person's level and they can have a legitimate gripe and uh, criticism of that, but, but that person. And then that fan base of that bigger YouTuber will come back and be like, Oh, you're just saying this stuff because you're, you're, you're trying to get attention. You're trying to get clout. You're, you're, you're disgruntled, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But that person could have legitimate reasons to call them out. And it did, then it becomes something very messy and you know the fans get involved, and and then yes, involved with all that shit, man. I don't know the people that yeah. keep up with YouTube drama. I am not one of that's them. That's what I'm saying. But... You got, and I'm saying I've been I've been keeping up with YouTube drama forever from the H, <laughs> from, yeah. from, from, from the H from the H threes to the to the leafy situation to the mm. the drama alert the the uh, the H family stuff the family vloggers like I keep up with all that like that's like something yeah. that, that's something I keep on the low I don't really tell about people like that about my interest when it comes to like YouTube drama but I I know I know I, I'm in the know I know, I know you know you're like sending yeah. me like YouTube videos like like twice a week like almost yeah. every week about like some obscure thing so I know you know yeah I know. Uh, I'm very familiar <laughs> with that 
Um, but uh, speaking of drama in general, like something that I know that we did want to sort of touch on, um, which honestly, like I sort of wanted to look into a little more. So I'm going to have to go a little bit off the cuff on this is um, the uh, the idea of the female gaze. So like for years, right, we talked about the male gaze, which is basically has been our entire life, which is basically, you know, when movies and TV shows are cultivated um, through the through the lens of the guy, you know, like when we talk about like the first movie that comes off the top of my head is like The Sandlot, you know, and we talk about um, the uh, ah, what's it of the lifeguard Penny and um, and and like the little uh, and like the little guy with glasses like has a big crush on him and basically you know we do the slow mos of like the woman's bodies and like and whenever there's a sex scene it's always about like the woman's bodies and et cetera et cetera it's basically all about like through these TV shows and these movies that are through like the perception of like the male side of sexualization of women right but now we're going through this like interesting comeuppance uh, through like streaming culture and through the society that we live in that we're actually focusing more on the female gaze, um, which has been like best exemplified in my uh, in my opinion through shows like Broad City and Insecure. And, you know, just uh, I think Insecure has like the most obvious example of it. Like whenever there is sex scenes between Molly and uh, and her partner or Issa and her partner, it's like you almost never see. I remember the first season of Insecure, right? And I remember when like Issa had sex with someone and it would trip me out. So because all you could see is like shots of the man's ass, like the entire fucking like 30, 45 seconds of the sex scene, you know? And, like, different angles and stuff. It was still, like, like tastefully, like, done and shit. But it's, like, for once, you didn't see the woman's boobs. Like, for once, you didn't see, like, the curvature of her silhouette and all of that other bullshit. And not that it's, like, necessarily bad, but it's such a good, refreshing change of pace to see, like, a, to see, like, um to see everything through like a feminine sen- uh, a feminine worldview when it comes to our sexuality, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think one of the only times I, I can remember it being like a normal, like sex scene. I, and I don't want to say this like female or male or male gaze uh, was yeah, the episode yeah. was the episode when uh, Lawrence uh, met those two white girls Remember, or I think one of them was white oh! one was Asian at, at the gro- at the grocery oh! store. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah, that almost threesome. I totally yeah. forgot about that. Was that in season one? I think it was, yeah. If I yes. No, yeah. no, it was in season two because it was after him and Issa broke up and he was trying to like sort of pick himself back up again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the episode yeah. where everything, that, that was the episode where everything was going good for him, where like he got out yeah. of a ticket, he got out of a ticket, he got a threesome, and then he, something else happened, I can't remember. Um, but, Jack, that's a. Uh, check marks for a good day, I guess. Yeah, I think for me, the big thing is that, like, I know about this stuff now, but, yeah. and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, but it's just one of those things where I just never really, I guess, cared to think of it in that way. Mm. You know, like, growing up yeah. watching watching movies as, like, a teenager and as an adult, I never really viewed a movie the way I was watching it as 
the director wanted you to see a woman in this way, if that mm. makes sense. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's just me or if there's more people who think this way. But I never viewed a movie as a woman being sexualized through the eyes of the director because he is a man. I just think I just always thought that you're looking at this person because this is their character. This is what they're supposed to, you know, insinuate, you know. So I would look at it more from a character standpoint as as opposed to this is the director wanting you to see this woman because she has curves and looks good. See, but like this is where I have to push back on you a little bit, Ricardo, because like that, I mean, what you're insinuating by saying that is saying that like a man uh, is that the is that if that was the choice of the director, then that means that it. The, if that was the choice of the, the director by showing the POV of whatever the main character was, then that means the majority of the main characters for whatever movies you happen to be talking about uh, would be men, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that the movies that we saw growing up were not all like male centric. We're not like the protagonists were not all men. And even in the, even in the movies that had women at the center of it, there mm -hmm. was still like there was still a sense of like male gaze through it. So I very much disagree because I I very much disagree because in this in the difference between I before I even because I just found out about this phrase, the female gaze, like maybe two weeks ago. Like I'll be fucking blunt with you. I had no mm -hmm. idea what that word meant or the fact that that phrase existed up until like half a month ago. But I knew what that phrase felt like two years ago when I saw that first season of Insecure, mm -hmm. when I first noticed, it's like, uh, when I noticed the way that they shot the scenes, I'm like, this is different. I'm seeing a lot of like men's asses and I'm seeing a lot of like, like, like male, like body structure like this, this felt like through the eyes of a woman or felt like through the eyes of, of, of like basically, yeah, like a female that was not, um, that was not afraid to like stand in her own like sexualization of the experience and like not to share that viewpoint with the audience versus everything that I've ever, and the thing is, is that like up until that point, I didn't know that there was any other option. I thought that, uh, again, I didn't know that there was a male gaze and a female gaze. I just thought like, this is the way that the directors chose to film. This, this is the, the viewpoint that is normal, but you know, it really made me, uh, like, the female gaze in general, I find something that is more and more valuable because the more I see it in, like, shows like Broad City and the shows like Insecure, the more comfortable I feel in, like, my own sexuality. The more comfortable I feel like it's okay for me to want, it's okay for me to look at men in this certain way. It doesn't make me, like, a hoe, not that being a hoe is necessarily a bad thing depending on, like, you know, what definition shit you asked. We're not going to get into that. But, like... Like, all of this different shit, like, I feel like I, it, it's, it's a long time coming, and it's very, very refreshing. Before I even knew what the word meant two years ago, I loved what I was seeing when I saw the different shots and everything they took on shows like Insecure. Yeah, no, like I said, like, I, uh, the whole change of perception thing, I think, I mean, I think that's cool. And I think I'm very much in the boat, like how you were. Where, like I said, I didn't, I didn't know that this was like mm -hmm. a uh, a general, like there was so much thought put into it, kind of thing, you know, where, yeah. where it was like, oh, you're you're seeing a woman this way because the director, the screenwriter, whoever 
is a male and this is what they generally like seeing females portrayed as you know I'm not saying that it's a it has to be a bad thing because you can still portray women uh naked and you know and sexy and it'd be tasteful and yeah uh, exactly. it, like yeah but still at the end of the day you are still seeing it through the eyes of a guy because you know that's what he likes that's what he's attracted to i think like i said i think the whole female uh, gay thing is great you know getting different perspective from from different women uh i think where like can be a little muddy and a, and a little um mm-hmm. concerning is you know the whole double standard that that comes about it where okay you like don't like it when you portray females in this way but if you do it to a male it's okay kind of thing yeah but then then you have to come into then you as an individual my take on that is that you and as an individual have to come into that argument saying okay like what are you comfortable with as a human being then that becomes a personal preference in my opinion because when i look at I have to decide whenever I'm watching, you know, Spike Lee's do the right thing or um, even though, I mean, we have that like whole scene with Rosie Perez y todo eso uh, or like shows like Insecure and different things like that. What makes me comfortable? You know, like what level of sexuality am I okay with? And, you know, some people, if they have like more like religious, you know, like withstandings and stuff, they wouldn't even like take it. Uh, as far as either of those shows or movies go, but I, I I don't think that it's a double standard because I think it's just a personal preference. I feel that in an ideal world, if you are comfortable with, you know, seeing, you know, a, like a really graphic sex scene between a man and a woman where like the woman is like, you know, you know, like being the thing that's mostly focused on in the camera and like mostly like, you know, their silhouettes and, you know, their body parts are the ones that are mostly focused on when it comes to, like, the cuts of the certain scenes, then you should be equally as comfortable, like, watching certain scenes, you know, where, like, the man, you know, is, uh, is, like, front and center, like, no pun intended, with, like, his ass and, like, his thrusting y todo eso, like, to get graphic. I mean, that's what it should be. It should be tit for tat. But I really do feel like at the end of the day, I don't think it's so much as a double, it's so much as a double standards as it is a, a personal preference, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think you understood what I said though, because I think you're talking more about you're talking more about like being comfortable with what is portrayed. I'm talking yeah. about more. I'm, I'm talking about because that to me, to me, that's a, that's a separate thing about you know what you see as a appealing, whatever. I'm talking about more of like the fact that, and I think this is just, I think this is just to do with the paradigm shift of like the last 20 years where, you know, as we've kind of gone away from viewing women as a, and as just like this object for like movies and stuff like that, for example, or TV shows where she's just like a, like a, ho- like, like, like a, like a hollow cast um, yeah. and just there to look pretty, you know, and which is a good thing. I'm glad that, you know, we've we've moved away from like those those archetypes when it comes to to women i think there is still that that i think the double standard exists where a guy can be paraded around as a piece of meat all day and it's still a good thing is what i'm saying so like wow so wow like an insecure like yeah mm-hmm. it's cool like when molly's in laundry yeah yeah let's, let's go like insecure the good reason like it's cool like when molly like in lingerie and she's looking sexy for uh for Andrew, her boyfriend, yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. that's that, that's cool. But like, when 
like and, and insecure might be the best example because I think they do a pretty fine balance of like showing men and women looking uh beautiful and sexy. Um, yeah, but let's say there's like a show where every single every single other scene is a guy with their shirt off. Uh, working outside uh, mowing the lawn and there's like a group of women inside the house like 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 into the group of like middle-aged women inside the house fawning and lusting over him saying stuff that she, that, yeah 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 exactly and they're saying stuff that you know if the role were reverse people would have an issue yeah. with yeah 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 so and, and, and that's what i'm talking about where it could get into dangerous territories where yeah if, yeah I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I, I, I do feel like I, I haven't seen a lot, but honestly, if I saw a film or two do that out of like sort of like a like a tongue in cheek come up and sort of like, OK, like men, if you can do that, like we as women can do it, too. Like I wouldn't hate it, but if I saw it like become an entire genre, which I haven't so far. Like, that's where I would have a problem with that. I don't feel like shows like Insecure and Broad City necessarily do that at all. I feel like uh, when it comes to their version of the female gaze, basically all they're doing is having the regular ass sex scenes as they, as like any show would, but instead of focusing on the woman's body, they focus on the man's, you know? Yeah. And so, like, they do it very tastefully, and they do it very right, and I feel like it was very much a conscious, uh, conscious decision in how they decided to film it, you know, like, without being too excessive, so, like, nobody could accuse them of, like, what you're saying, of, like, having the roles reversed, you know, and being kind of sort of hypocritical in the way that they're filming it. But I do see I do see what you would be worried about if that was the case, but I don't think that's the case, and I don't think that that's going to happen, you know? Yeah. At least I haven't seen any of it, and I'm not necessarily worried about it. I think a show that like was very like hypocritical with um uh and I and I stopped watching it because I just it just really kind of got tiring and just very um uh-huh. was um Girls by uh, Lena Dunham. Mm. I like that that one like really like like really rubbed me the wrong way. Like I tried to watch it. I think there's like six. I think there's like six seasons, and I watched maybe the first two. And like, it, and it hit me like it, when I finally had like that thought where like, man, she's like, and a lot of these episodes, the guys are just props, like they're just. Yeah. They're, they're, so you they're, have a tooth now, hey, you get yeah, a yeah, yeah. Well, no, it, and it wasn't just that. <laughs> I think, I think, I think, I think the show overall was just bad, like the way. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. I had a friend that used to. Uh, um, I have a friend, Littlefoot, and it's okay if I use his moniker because I, I don't like that's not even his real fucking name, but like. Uh, I had a friend that tried to get uh, me and another friend on on the show, like girls, when it first came out and stuff. He's like, oh, my gosh, you have to watch this. And I think I only got about two episodes in before I checked out. I don't know. It's just uh, I know that it got a lot of acclaim and then it got a lot of like uh, people writing for it and people thinking that it was all this and all that. But I just could never get into it. And, you know, by what you're saying, I'm sort of glad that I didn't. Yeah, it's uh like I said, there was a lot of like flaws in it that I just uh, just didn't really like. And and yeah. Lena Dunham is like, you know, not the greatest person either. So Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I got you, I got you. But uh we have been uh I think that it's about time to at least uh uh start going into our uh good looking out segment. 
Uh, Ricardo, this is basically where we go ahead and we uh, tell you guys what all we have been into this week. Music, movies, all the like, etc. Um, so today I do want to go ahead and I want to talk to you guys about uh, this uh, new show on Netflix that just recently came out. Um, I think it's actually only a few days ago, right? Is uh, with... Uh, yes, yes, yes. It's called Enola Holmes. So Enola Holmes is uh, based off of this book series that is based off of the original story of uh, Sherlock Holmes, and it's um, and it centers around Sherlock Holmes and Mycroft Holmes' little sister Enola, and uh, it's um, a, and her mom is played by uh, Helena Baum. Uh, I always forget how to say her, her middle name. Helena Obama Carter. I don't know, like the lady that played Bellatrix in Harry Potter or whatever. Like uh-huh. uh, she she plays her mom or whatever, right? And uh, basically, it's it's like this action mystery thriller of Enola and base and trying to find uh, trying to find her mom. And you know what, like. At first, I wasn't really going to watch it because I thought it was going to be, oh, it's kind of cute. You know, it's going to be kind of sort of like this, like, um, it might be a little like feminist, raw, raw, sis, boom, bah, whatever. Um, not that I have an issue with that. But, like, when I started, uh, when I went ahead and I caved in and I started watching it, it is so good. I enjoyed myself. It was funny. It was super charming and enchanting and chilling and bad fucking ass. Like it, I think one of the most interesting things about it is that there was a, let's see, the main actress that played uh, Enola. I wish I could remember her name. I'll probably look it up here in a minute. But uh, basically the actress that uh, played Enola, she would have these moments while you're going through the movie movie where she would look back and she would break the fourth wall by talking to the audience right uh in um in a sort of like a flea bag slash door of the explorer sort of way uh but i i just i i don't know it was so much it was so much more skilled and so much more action filled than i thought it was gonna be you know um and the story in and of itself was really intricate. Basically, it was Enola base, uh, trying to find where the heck her mom had gone because one day on the day of her 16th birthday, she just ups and disappears. And so her brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock, have to come over and have to figure out what they're going to do with the estate and what they're going to do like with her. And so she wants to go off and she wants to uh, rebel because she doesn't want to be put in a finishing school. And uh, along the way... She has to go and she has to, like, save this boy that she kind of likes, but she kind of doesn't like because she's kind of, like, focused on getting her mom. But it's, it's, there's, I will say this. There's a lot of, like, feminist and there's a lot of really, like, female-focused, empowering shows and movies going on right now um, that want to do the things that Enola Holmes as a movie does so well, which... You know, the character is freewheeling, she's strong-willed, and she's very boundary-pushing, right? But she does it without being so much of, like, an in-your-face cliche, you know? they In the movie itself, the movie itself carries Enola through her story by incorporating certain things like uh, jiu-jitsu and, you know, just having a really strong storyline on top of, like, without using this, like, uh, feminist arc as a crutch 
you know, and it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, uh, the entire time, like I laughed, I cried and like, I, I didn't know who was going to win at the end. And it was just a very, very solid action adventure, hysterical, like mystery film throughout the whole thing. So I definitely recommend it. And I would give it a solid, like 8.5 Veronica stars, like without a doubt. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, it's a uh, Millie Bobby Brown. She plays uh, Enola, you know, from Stranger Things. Yes, yes, and I yeah. I love her. She did such a good job. Uh, they yeah, all did. They really yeah. did. Millie Bobby Brown, my dude. Oh, Henry Cavill plays uh, Sherlock. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. 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 I see. Huh. But will I, uh, will, will I check this out? I don't I, know. Maybe. I, I think it's one of those things where I mean. Uh, I think it was such a badass film that I feel like a, a guy who's really into action films would really appreciate it because there was a lot of like, um, like fighting choreography that went into it. That, uh, and you know that I was uh, that I've been taking Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes or I've taken a few of them, Ricardo. And so a couple of things that they've uh, like the techniques and different fighting styles that they did, like mm-hmm. I recognized them, and it was such a such a cool. Experience experiences see like this is how you defend yourself or this is how like you fight if someone comes up to you in an alley and it's like it was just it was just a joyride the entire day long and I feel like um if you're into like fighting of any sense or even in in any if you're into athleticism at all you a man or a woman you would enjoy this movie from that aspect of it Okay, okay. Yeah, I think for me, and I'm terrible at this, but for me, a lot of time when it comes to me watching something or listening to to something, it just depends on if I care enough. Yeah. Like, I, like I and I hate that about myself because there are things that that like I'll look at and I'm like, and if I don't get like just the the, the slightest sense of of appeal or interest, I'm like, nope, don't care. And and like you know me, you know like when I when I don't care for anything, I yeah. like. Or, or you know, I don't really listen to like people. The uh, I, I don't really listen to reviews and stuff like that. So it it all it's, it really is solely dependent on me if I decide to check something out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll tell you what though, like for real, uh, this is one of those movies where like dudes, if you if you have a girl or Ricardo, if you had a girl and she like sat you down and like forced you to watch this sh- uh, this movie, uh-huh. you would enjoy it. But I feel like like uh, guys, because I mean their guys or whatever unless you're like a sherlock enthusiast mm-hmm. you will not take it upon yourself to watch this movie but if you did i promise you that you would end up liking it at the end of the whole ordeal okay yeah so, yeah, so yeah. That's, that, that's reassuring okay um now another one and this is sort of like this will be kind of a shorter thing um i had um this is a music thing from my girl Hope Dalla. Now, this is uh, an artist that I've been following only not very long, for about six months or so. Uh, one of her uh, newer albums came out uh, earlier in 2019, Sensitive Soul, and it only has two, uh, sorry, six tracks. Uh, but she just recently came out with a single called All My Girls Like to Fight. And I really love her, um, not just because, of course, she's a POC, she's a woman of color and things like that, um, and she is a, a darker skin, but, like, her her entire, this is so weird, like, I cannot wait until, like, we figure out how to do this whole, how, how we do this whole, uh, like, having rights to play music thing 
Ricardo because it's very hard for me to like describe music like verbally but she has a very jazzy sound to her and she has uh, she's relatively she's relatively newer to the scene right she's she's very jazz she's very jazzy she's very mellow uh but her new single she does actually rap in it and i and i and i enjoy it thoroughly just because with her and her indigenous background i'm always looking for more female artists to come out and i've, I've told i've talked to you about this too more female artists that yes i celebrate Great, the black female artists that, that that have come out, you know, like Rhapsody and like, or that have been around y, y todo eso that are like getting theirs. But I can't wait until, you know, we have like an expansion of that and we really see more people of color, you know, whether they're uh, Mexican or Latinos or Latinas or indigenous, like really come up and really like showcase what they're made of. And I really think that like Hope Tala even with like, um, even with this like one single that she came out recently, I I feel like that's what she's doing. And I if I had to recommend one album for you guys to check out of her would be Sensitive Soul. Like I said, it's a really quick listen. It's about maybe 36 minutes tops. You know, it's very like Kanye esque in that way where it's not very long at all. Um, but very easy listening if you want to like wake up on a Sunday morning and uh, just sort of like. Uh, groove to like strings and sort of like um, what's um dang it what's that girl that you love so much uh not Georgie um dang it I, I'm thinking of the album Georgia I'm thinking of the album I Georgia Smith it. yes Georgia Smith yeah. It's kind of, yeah yeah Hope Dalla has a very Georgia Smith vibe to her uh, just uh, with a lot more strings and stuff attached to it, uh, and she has a lot of like Spanglish weave in and out of uh, of Sensitive Soul as well. So that's my second looking out. I highly recommend her if you guys just want some easy listening to do on a Sunday morning. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like that because um, I haven't heard it myself, but I do like you know more you know women of color doing stuff like that. But I, I, but I hate the the notion that. I'm just gonna say that y'all are lazy a lot of time because these these artists exist. These people exist. People like Girl Ultra, people like uh like mm-hmm. um like Snow, uh, Snow the Product, like like we yeah. have these we people out here, you know. It's just you really just have to do the digging. You really just gotta gotta kind of get out get out get out of your get out of get out of your get out of like your comfort zone of That's like true. when it comes to like your 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 recommendations on your on whatever streaming uh platform you use and just really start mm-hmm. searching out there i mean i'm different just because i'm a very i'm a very musical person and i just always i'm always digging into different types of music so i know these artists i know you know women of color who have been you know on the grind for years just doing it and mm-hmm. uh, i love it and you know I, and i try to put people onto it but you know a lot of people just don't really care and uh you know it's unfortunate but you know i hope with more of them coming out and eventually it's gonna happen where that one really like hits it's going to, you know, and then open like the floodgates for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, we'll be here broadcasting, putting, you know, as many people on who are willing to listen. So uh, mm-hmm. what is your good looking out for today? Ricardo? OK. And I just I literally just thought about this while I was sitting here. Uh, uh, I, just, I realized that I just finished uh, Love Life, which was that and the Anna Kendrick show that I was showing you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I, I finished it. I think I, I, I think I finished it last. I think, I think it was like, I, I think I finished it that that night that that you were here, like after you left last Sunday. I yeah, think, yeah, 
I think mm-hmm. I finished it. I, I if I didn't finish it that day, I finished it last Monday. But um, I just want to briefly talk about this show because this wasn't really my the one I was gonna talk about. So I think it's cool. I think if I had to rate it uh out of ten, I think I'd probably give it seven. Like a seven out of ten. Like it had like some very it's an anthology, so people haven't seen it. So like each episode is like a different relationship with um with the main character who's played by Anna Kendrick. Yeah, 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 yeah. So each episode is telling like a different story in her life about a relationship that she was in. Um most of it's like linear, so like each episode's like progressing, like you know, certain like certain months have passed, certain years have passed. There's one episode where they kinda like go back in, in, in the past because she's like with a therapist and she's trying to like figure out I can't remember what the exact reason why she was with the therapist. I think she was trying to figure out why she feels like she needs somebody or something like that in her life. So it kind of like went back into her past and tried to like figure out who was the first person that she loved, which is, I really liked the episode because I really explored a lot of like uh, insecurity and like why certain teenage girls do some things that they shouldn't. Uh, not saying that's a bad thing, but they just like they'll say something and then they'll like it, it, like regret it. Like, why did I say that? That was like the dumbest thing you could have said. Kind of thing yeah. like that. And the last episode was also really, really good. I'll probably say that the last one's probably like, as far as like quality and like wrapping up a, a season, because I think they're actually going to make a season two, if I remember. I think it's been re-up for a season two. But the last episode really put things into perspective of like how you should be able to come together with somebody that you've only met, but they've kind of been through a lot you know they you, you you only know them for like a few minutes but you can tell by the way they interact with yourself that they've been through so much and that you can see yourself kind of like being with them um and i really like that i really like that message in that episode um but overall it is very predictable some of the lines and some of the dialogue is kind of corny but not not it's, and it's not like a huge detriment it's, it's just it's just one of those shows where it is pretty basic and i just wish it was a little bit more ambitious because they had some good concept but they just didn't really execute it well so i love life i would say check it out it's not it's not terrible it's not the worst thing you ever watch so i don't think you'll be wasting your time if you watch it so yeah there's that but the show that i really want to talk about was it's a sure it's a show on uh hbo max called uh pure and i was reading up on it and it came out i think last year 2019 on a channel four out in the uk but i think it's a uh, hbo max recently got the rights to it to stream it as an original and it is i want to say it's probably like one of the most i've never seen the concept done so there's this girl right her name is marnie and she suffers from pretty much making everything as sexual as possible so it could be literally like a lady sewing on like a on a on a subway and she will somehow in her mind be able to turn that into something sexual and then and then she will like think about uh why she was thinking that way and why she actually liked thinking that way and Mm -hmm. and it and it it comes down and it it has something to do with like her being ocd Uh, i'm only two episodes in it's a very short series i think there's only six episodes i'm all i just finished the second episode so i still have to finish the remaining to figure out what's going on. But like I said, very interesting. Like I said, like she, there's this one scene, Jesus Christ, where she's like at this, uh, anniversary party for her mom and dad. 
And you can only imagine with that many people being in a room what she was thinking. And it shows like like what she's what's going on in her head, but like very brief. So it's like very quick and flash, but you can like see like like a naked grandma or stuff like that. Or like oh my gosh. or like her or like her making out with like her mom or stuff like that, like in her mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, like like I said, like it's like pretty like like, like 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 it pushes the envelope and like and it really like and it really like um lets you know like hey like she this this is this isn't somebody who's addicted to sex this is just somebody who cannot control what's going on in their head you know yeah yeah so I would definitely recommend it uh like so, I said it's very very quick it's like six episodes or some shit that sounds crazy what you say. Is it like a mental disorder or some shit? Like, is that how that, they like sort of? Yeah, I think I think about when I watched the other episode, I think they're they're thinking that it's some sort of a like OCD. Ah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. They think it's like some sort of like OCD effect and like okay, because of that. Yeah. And I forgot we uh we forgot to mention Enola Holmes is on Netflix. Hope Tala obviously is on Spotify or iTunes. Where is that? Pure. Oh, no. I, I said in the beginning with HBO Max. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I- but uh, but yeah, that's it. Like I said, check it out. It's it's very short, six episodes. Like I said, I'm still on episode two, so I'm still watching it. So and and each episode I think it's about like 33, 34 minutes long, something like that. Right on, right on. Okay. Well, I look into that. Like I have like all these other shows and shit that I need to catch up on. But that definitely looks. That definitely seems like something that would be like nauseatingly interesting. You know, sort of like a sort of like a chewing gum sort of spiel sort of ordeal please watch uh, it alone please okay. watch it alone <laughs> okay uh, do not even think you can watch this around your mom or, or little sister no by any means no good to know good to yes. know okay. yes and that has been your warning mi gente that has also been uh the end of our what is it eighth ninth episode i don't know i can't even keep track episode of nine yes episode nine of in living spanglish podcast uh thank you again for joining us we love you we love you we love you and we will catch you next week peace